0: Welcome back to Subcutaneous with Dr. G, a beneath-the-skin look at medicine.
1: Episode 2, Adversity and Loss. We're going to be kind of on a uh, dealing with adversity and uh, disappointment topic. And it's kind of okay. interesting because <laughs> this is kind of a bit of a, not that surprise to Lindsay, but she's not sure where this is going to go. We're freeforming forming it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go from there. I think this is always interesting to talk to people about because, you know, adversity looks so different in everybody's lives. And, you know, especially when you look from the outside, you might think, oh, wow, this person's life is like, they've done it all. They've had it all handed to them and everything like that. Yeah. And, you know, what struggles have they ever had or things like that? And it's like, It's like the Instagram
0: picture of lives.
1: Yeah, it's the Instagram picture of lives. And kind of one of the idea behind this, a big idea behind this podcast is to give people the real picture, right, of not just your life or my life or the guests' lives, but, like, the real thing. Like, this is subcutaneous. It's the whole whole shebang.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm nervous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the whole shebang. And it's like, okay, well... And so this is going to be kind of our chance to get out the whole shebang and maybe talk about, you know, some of the times we've been hurt or things that didn't work out for us and failures and uh, let people know that it's not like, oh, woe is us sort of thing. We both, no. both made it out okay. And everything like that. But to let you know that uh, listeners know that, you know, their failures are, it's not just that. Overcomable. It's not just them out there, like who experience these sort of things. It's not, you know, the life here is not Instagram perfect by a long shot.
0: No, definitely not.
1: It goes back to even the very beginning. I know as an adult that something I have, you know, struggled so much with and talked to about... And this is something very common for people to experience now is uh, the failure of their parents' marriage or divorce or stuff like that. Or, you know, not growing up in a very, you know, I don't want to say like a bad household because I certainly could have had it a lot worse. But I find, you know, as I age and grow that a lot of things that have affected me through my life. Personal thoughts and patterns, and my own failings through life were, you know, kind of kick started in childhood with the failure of my parents' marriage. And
0: I mean, childhood know. is the groundwork for it all. You can almost go back to everything and yeah, find yeah. something in childhood.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's what we learn more and more about, you know, psychology and psychiatry is like so much of it is developmental and like. I guess one thing, one thing I told you almost immediately when we met is like, I have this uh, deep compulsion to be on time, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot, <laughs> like, and it's, I cannot be late. And you know, I took for- You years.
0: cannot be on time. You must be early.
1: Yeah, I must, yeah, I must be early, <laughs> if anything.
0: It's like he was in the military or something. <laughs>
1: So, you know, I kind of looked at that and it wasn't for until the last couple of years that I kind of really figured out that, you know, that's kind of rooted in my childhood and, you know, feeling like I wasn't a priority to my father who was perpetually late for anything. And like, I remember I was sitting one day in a parking lot downtown waiting for somebody to show up. And I remember, I had like this whole flashback to my childhood of sitting there waiting for my dad to show up to pick me up from like baseball practice. And like it's an hour past and everybody has gone. And like mm-hmm. how angry and, you know, like lonely and just disrespected it was for, I felt at the time. Right. And that really kind of. Communicate again to my daily life to where I never want to make anybody feel like that. So it's like I am just compulsively early. Like I find, and I still even, and I've, once I kind of recognized this, it really made it much easier because I would get so upset when somebody was late. Right. Because it like made, I just felt like so disrespected and everything like that. And it was, you know, and it wasn't that somebody was disrespecting me anyway you know things happen people run late and it's like once i kind of figured this out this is where this comes from and everything like that i was able to just kind of slowly start releasing that that part of myself and i'm still i'm still definitely compunctual and generally <laughs> early but i find myself i'm not upset by people as much uh, being late I recognize that there's other things and it's not a sign of disrespect or anything like that. And So it's, and this isn't even, but this is kind of like a personal, you know, a failing from my childhood that I kind of let control my life for a long time. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think it's important too for other people once they know that maybe the reasoning behind it, at least for me, made it much easier to kind of accept and realize why there was importance there and it made me i've felt in our relationship the importance to be on time since then too so Mm -hmm.
1: it makes it easier to identify why i might be cranky at a given moment like even if it's not you who's late i also sometimes it takes a little bit of time for me to recognize what why that's affecting me or that that is the thing affecting me so i don't know maybe that's not even really kind of on topic but that's what sprang to mind and you know it's not really adversity, other than my own personal adversary, adversity towards myself. It was definitely disappointment, and it, make, it would make me deeply disappointed in the people I was interacting with when they would, you know, show up late and you know disrespect me and all that stuff. That wasn't actually true. I'm thirty five years old now, and I didn't just figure this out until the last two years. How did you... <laughs> the last year, even.
0: Yeah. How did you come about figuring this out?
1: Well, I, you know, I mentioned that I was sitting in a in a parking lot waiting for somebody who was late. And it was a parking lot, you know, that it was downtown, and mm. it was where the, the baseball fields used to be. And, you know, as a kid playing Little League, I'd get dropped off there, and, you know, your parents would pick you up after practice and stuff like that. And I was sitting there like... And I was getting kind of, I was starting to stew because this person was late. And then I just, like, had this total flashback to being a kid sitting there, you know, mm. waiting. And then I remembered all the times I sat and waited and, like, didn't feel important or cared about. Well, I never I never doubted, I guess, my dad cared about me. But I was never important enough for him to be there when he said he would be there. Mm-hmm. And that deeply affected me and even he and i's relationship to this day because yeah. yeah i still do a degree feel that way
0: yeah and to be the last kid left makes you definitely feel unimportant
1: yeah the last
0: kid because we all compare ourselves to others as much as we try not to and so when you're the last one waiting on your family member you feel like oh all these other people's parents are doing it right and
1: yeah and in the long term it's small fries stuff, right? because it's definitely affected my life long term and how I perceive things and that relationship and all that sort of stuff.-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think our childhood relationships have a lot to do with who we are today and a lot of us are still kind of discovering that and digging deeper into it. I think our generation has come to realize this uh, generational trauma or generational, changes that are passed down and down and down and i think a lot of the newer generations are trying to disrupt that which is potentially good
1: yeah but i don't know how much there's always going to be adversity or disappointment in your life like it's you can try and disrupt that to the maximum possible but like you get married and you think you're going to do the best possible thing by your kids or you know whatever happens and it's like that's just not the way things pan out right like nobody gets married and has kids planning on you know getting a divorce 10 years down the line or like not being able to be there as much as they want to be and everything like that like that's just I don't think that's ever really gonna change it's just how we it's just an adult thing that you have to learn to come and start coping with that stuff and recognizing what made you the way you are
0: yeah definitely and so I think an interesting thing kind of on this topic that you told me a little after we started dating, but was how you told some people about me and to them, everything looked so crystal clear and so perfect. And they thought I had this dream life. Um, And so I think that kind of spurred a little bit of this topic yeah. and episode, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, a kind of thought behind this is to, you know, And we've done like the meet Dr. Goggart episode and everything like that. And things seem like swelling that. And you had kind of things handed to you and everything like that. But you dealt with more adversity than probably most people. Well, yeah, probably most people, I would say. I think that's fair enough. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about that too. Like you had a pre traumatic life event happen when it was when you were, well, it started probably when you were 15 or 16.
0: Yeah, just uh, second, sophomore year of high school. Should we delve into this? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, we don't have to, but. So, um, sophomore year of high school, I was always kind of an A-plus student. I do feel like up until this point in my life, my life was this, like, crystal clear, perfect little Instagram life. I mean, not in every way, obviously, but. As far as my family life goes, my mom and dad were wild about each other, very happy marriage, no issues there. My mom was kind of my best friend. We hung out all the time. My dad traveled for work, so he was gone more. I was an A-plus student, kind of perfect attendance, you know, that kid that everybody wants their little, like, my honor student sticker on the back of their car. And then my sophomore year of high school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, And at that point, I didn't know as much about medicine as I do now, obviously. But, you know, you know a ton of people whose mom has had breast cancer. What is it? Like one in eight women get breast cancer. Uh So it was not, I thought, whatever, mom, this is fine. You're going to be okay. It's no big deal.
1: Do you think maybe some of your attitude was also kind of what they wanted you to think?
0: Mm, Mom never acted like oh, it's great, it's stage one, I'm going to beat this. Because I think she knew, she had, like, a sinking feeling deep down that this was not good. And sometimes I'll say, I mean, spoiler alert, my mom did end up dying, but I still feel like I lost my mom the day that she got diagnosed with breast cancer. Because she changed 180 degrees from the mom that I grew up with and knew.
1: And what do you mean by that? Like, what what do you think changed or
0: her attitude was completely different she was just not like the fun loving caring mom that i had always known there had definitely been a shift in just her like she knew this was not going to be a good thing you know Mm -hmm. even even at 16 i recognized that and i never felt like i heard the laugh she was known for ever again after that the true one you know it was just a whole different person
1: Yeah, and that's, like, especially for, you know, a 16-year-old girl who's grown up close to her mom, right? And, like, models herself after her and everything like that. And To have that second shift and also not really be aware of what's going on and stuff like that, so.
0: Yeah, I was somewhat left in the dark, and I think in some of the prior episode, or in a prior episode, I mentioned that I was given kind of a six hour driving radius from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I grew up to go to college. So, you know, sophomore year, my mom's diagnosed. She had surgery and chemo and radiation and the whole bit. And then, um, I think she kind of knew things weren't going to be good. And so junior year when you're applying and things like that. She gave me a radius and I didn't really think too much into it. I was kind of frustrated more than anything, really. Now I don't get to go to my dream school. I have to stay close to home. But my best friend since I was three, who's basically like my sister, was at the University of Oklahoma, which was two and a half hours away, and my friend in high school wanted to go there too and was gonna be my roommate freshman year. So all things kind of lined up, so to speak, to go to OU, but I was definitely limited on my choices, even though I probably could have gotten into pretty much any school I wanted to go to at that point, Um, but stayed close to home for my mom, despite kind of knowing the full extent of things.
1: Despite knowing the full extent, or did did you feel like you knew the full extent? No, or no. were you, just, you were just kind of doing what she wanted at that point. Like, yeah, she wanted I wanted to stay close, and you knew things. She wasn't healthy.
0: Yeah, but I didn't know things were going to go as quickly as they did. November of my freshman year of college is when my mom actually passed away. So I was eighteen, um, brand new freshman, and I mean I still remember. My big sister in my sorority kind of trying to secretly take me out to tell me that I needed to go home early and me being stubborn and not letting her (laughs) taking me to a public place um, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And um, I got went home early for Thanksgiving break, essentially, and was told on the drive home was told to pack my bags that I needed to go home. Obviously, at that point, I knew something was up. And on the drive home from Oklahoma or Norman to Tulsa, which is about two and a half hours, I was told how sick my mom was and that these were going to be her last moments. And I was going home to say goodbye, essentially.
1: Did you make it home in time?
0: Yeah, I made it home. I want to say I had like maybe two or three days with my mom, but she was in the hospital when I got there, Mm -hmm. kind of on her last days. Um, her breast cancer came back. I don't really remember when, maybe my senior year of high school or towards the beginning of my freshman year of college, and it was all over in her bones and everywhere, and I didn't know much about what was going on. I, my family didn't keep me in the loop, and maybe for the better, they wanted me to live my life and experience those final years of high school and beginning years of college as best I could without being too concerned about my mom but in hindsight there were things they did like the big ou texas get together every year my dad wouldn't let me go and he gave me these crazy excuses for why i wasn't allowed to go which they never would have given me before uh-huh. <laughs> and truly you know in hindsight that was so that i would be at home with my mom mm-hmm. during that time versus out hanging out with my college friends in dallas
1: I definitely understand their perspective on that, right? Like, if they had told you, you know, how bad it was or, you know, this was happening, it would have probably wrecked more of your life, right? Like, because then maybe. you would have had this this hanging over you and, like, this that this was happening and, you know...
0: And maybe I would have even stayed closer to home for that first year yeah, and not have developed... The friendships and things that I did in college which were very much what got me through after she died so I think I think they did everything right that they could have I mean I wouldn't have changed the way they handled it at all
1: yeah and you know you kind of talk about those friendships and you know you you were in a sorority and you're yeah like a, you know you're a very sociable person and easy to get along with so you develop friends quickly yeah and those friends were there for you after that. And family really struggled at that t- point, didn't mm-hmm. they?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of took a while for that to slowly fall apart. But I definitely realized how much my mom was kind of the glue to m- my whole family, not just my immediate family unit, which is me, myself, or myself, my brother. And my dad and my mom, so pretty small family, but also her side of the family, which would be her brother and her parents as well. She definitely held everything together and was kind of the the glue, so to speak, to every aspect of our family.
1: You go home for Thanksgiving and you deal with this. And I mm-hmm. guess at this point we kind of get into the dealing with the adversity part of this. It's like, okay, this thing's happened. Your yeah. life, you're, you're a turning point in your life, right? And you can deal with this... A bunch of ways
0: mm-hmm. sure yeah
1: and so you know how how do you deal with this <laughs> how do you is what what do you yeah. think were some of the factors and what how'd you deal
0: i think there are so many different ways that people deal with death and grief and especially the death of somebody so close to you for me it was definitely like 100 percent into my studies and into my future career And I probably haven't let up on that even yet. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. I
1: think maybe you've you've eased off the throttle a bit. (laughs)
0: Uh, But it was definitely like full steam ahead. You know, don't look back. I did several fundraisers for breast cancer awareness in college. I made t-shirts and sold them to all the sororities and fraternities. I encouraged people to sign up for Race for the Cure. There were things that I did in my mom's name essentially – But all of this was me just essentially distracting myself, and putting that all towards both school and friendships. I think I definitely spent a lot of time leaning on my friends, and most of those girls are still I'm still very close with today. So I'm very grateful for that and the fact that I, you know, went away and didn't just lean on my immediate family. I had other people to surround myself with, and honestly other families to be kind of absorbed into
1: yeah because we just briefly mentioned this and it took a bit of time but your family unit kind of fell apart and you didn't have Mm -hmm. a home life to go back to after a while or really anywhere to go and like you you could maybe go home but it was not a good experience right yeah
0: i mean i think it the, the falling apart was slow this first happened, you know, this happened my freshman year of college, and slowly between freshman year of college and probably first year of internship, it slowly fell apart in different ways. Um, but anybody who's dealt with the loss of a loss of a loved one or a parent knows that holidays are forever changed and will always be. And we never really. Like I said, my mom was the glue of our family. So we maybe tried to patch those up for a few years, but never really, no one ever really took the initiative to make them what they were ever again. Um, and I still, I think my experience has changed the way I celebrate Thanksgiving and even Christmas is very much changed than from what it was when my mom was still alive.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing, you know. I've kind of learned about you over the time is like you're almost you know and I think this is changing too as you have more recent positive experiences surrounding these holidays but you're almost like anti
0: Hmm, I'm the Grinch
1: yeah anti she's anti Christmas and stuff like that and like uh do you think some of that was just you shutting down and being like I don't care about these things because I can't I can't have good experiences at them and like this this really isn't that important I can
0: For certain holidays, maybe not for Christmas. Uh We don't want to get me on my soapbox about that. (laughs) Well, yeah. But I think it's a Hallmark holiday and it shouldn't be. So it's all about gifts and I'm not into that. So that's more of my turn off to Christmas. And I was actually turned off to Christmas as a Hallmark holiday before my mom even died. But then with the death of my mother definitely became like I'm very much the Grinch and have been called that. In multiple settings. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Thanksgiving has become my favorite holiday, which some might find really hard to believe because my mom died right before Thanksgiving. And so, you know, Thanksgiving is a fluctuating holiday. So sometimes my mother's um, passing is even potentially on Thanksgiving. But that's become my favorite holiday. I've just embraced it as for its fact of being not so much a family-centered holiday, though, which Mm -hmm. is why I think I like it. Um, but my mom's favorite holiday was 4th of July. And so I still enjoy that from that aspect. And then I've come to really appreciate and enjoy Thanksgiving and have kind of made it my own holiday. There's certain people I spend it with every year who were friends, not blood relatives. And that's kind of been the tradition since med school, actually. So it's been a changing, ever changing mm-hmm. holiday, but they all have. And like I said, I was very much a adopted and welcomed into other people's families but it's never the same for anyone who's lost a parent would definitely know that especially if they lost them young and kind of got like oh you can come spend mother's day with us very nice and great and i always enjoyed that but it was never the same as spending mother's day with your actual mom
1: yeah that's definitely gotta be a a bigger pill to swallow on mother's day and it's like oh yes this is wonderful i'm here with us This person who, you know, has acted like a mother to me who, you know, stepped up or, you know, who's, you know, almost who has raised you in a sense, even in the last over the last several years. But it's like, um, you know, where's my mom? Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's been fun to find out. I mean, even I think it was maybe a year or two ago, not even two years ago, maybe a year ago that I found out that my mom had asked somebody who's now become close to me to watch over me and. I just didn't, I, she never admitted this to me until recently. And so mom was kind of always there in the background, maybe guiding this and helping me out. But
1: yeah, um, that's a great, even finding that out years later is being like, Oh, that's like a real gift from her Mm -hmm. that she was, you know, finding somebody or probably multiple people that she may have talked to about this. Yeah. that she was that important to you and that or that you were that important to her Mm -hmm. and like she was picking finding people to look out for you and asking them to keep an eye on you
0: yeah for sure
1: and what a you know what a great thing that's been through your life is to be able to have that happen yeah like I mean it's a tragedy but you've also made there's blessings in it that you've kind of all these you know friendships that you acquired Mm -hmm. all these you know you know you've acquired a couple mother figures mm-hmm. and everything like that and it's no substitution for having like an a life where that just didn't happen right but it's also been you know there's there's things good things have come out sure. of it
0: yeah and i i mean there's little things too like growing up in high school i never really had great i had good friends but i was never best friends with somebody forever and ever. Lindsay and I, who's my best friend since I was 3 were were best friends, but we lived in different cities. And so we didn't see each other as much as if we had maybe gone to the same high school. And after my mom passed, I kind of felt like, well, that all happened for a reason. Like I got to spend so much more time with my mom because I wasn't out gallivanting with my friends in high school or middle school. But so I definitely feel like sometimes I'm this like, everything happens for a reason person just sometimes that instagram person who people hate but Uh i also think it's how you look at your life and try and make the best of every situation and i feel like i did that and sure my mom and my family life had me focus so much on my studies which is probably why i've gotten to where i have and maybe i wouldn't have gotten here if all of that would have happened to me but maybe i would have and it would have been a smoother ride but we can't really predict that right but
1: we come to this point uh you mentioned you kind of thrown yourself in your studies as a way of dealing with this as a person who no longer has a lot to study you're kind of through it do you feel like maybe you yeah do you feel like that was more of avoidance or dealing with it
0: you're, like, being my therapist right now.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm just curious because, like, you know, I I know I came to all my really important self-discoveries or anything I've ever dealt with never happened until I was, you know, mid-30s. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hmm. I'm not quite in my mid-30s yet, David. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can see how just burying your head and studying is maybe not dealing with it, but how much I think a lot of that loss is just something you can't deal with. It's just time, right?
0: Yeah, it's so much time, and I have a friend who's just recently dealt with this too, losing her mom, and that's part of it. Is just it's just tincture of time, really, and getting over those first holidays and kind of getting to a new normal and
1: it's that doesn't even have to be you know the death of somebody but the loss of an important relationship or or, you know so much of this stuff and this is nothing that everybody doesn't tell you when you're dealing with it is right it's like well it's just gonna get a little bit better every single day and you're like like, yeah right yeah exactly like no, it's not. This is the worst. It's never getting better. And at the time, it feels like it. But then a year, two years, three years down the road, you're like, okay, this is this is better. Like, maybe I still think about this all the time, but it's not, like, debilitating to me mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah. And I think we all experience those losses. But it's such a weird psychological phenomenon to where it's like, at the time... You, ju- you just can't be consoled. You really have to go through the stages of grief and, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe distraction. I mean, everybody deals with death and grief in a different way. But for me, distraction was definitely helpful. And staying busy.
1: Yeah. And definitely you distracted yourself with the right things, right? I mean, there's sure. a million things a person can distract themselves with. But you do you think that was just... I'm sure it wasn't a conscientious thought like I'm gonna okay now I have to distract myself I'm gonna pour myself into learning in school and everything like that I said just who you are
0: yeah and I think I mean everybody finds something a little different to help them get through these things like one of my friends who's going through something similar is kind of trying she did a lot of traveling and also um, kind of trying to find the right work-life balance. So instead of just like completely burying herself in work, trying to find more of a balance in a daily life, we know somebody who de- who went to a hobby to kind of help them deal with their the death in their life and dove into skydiving and got into that. So I think different people will find what it's just like our finance talk. You know, you got to find what works for you and they're healthy and unhealthy things and not every you know there's some unhealthiness to pouring yourself into work too so it's not it it might have better successful what society perceives as success as an outcome Um, but I think my friend who's you know kind of focusing more on work-life balance I think that's a good approach and I mean skydiving I'm sure getting into a hobby or something that you enjoy is a good approach too.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, like, I've certainly used my hobbies to, you know, distract myself from loss and pain and everything like that in the past. And I've thought, you know, I've even tried travel and stuff like that. That doesn't work for me because I just, I'm lonely or, you know, I miss that thing and everything like that. But, yeah, I definitely agree. It's, you have to find your own way of dealing with it and it's kind of interesting to talk to people and see you know what their way of dealing with it was and it's very it's very interesting to me at least like yours was to you know to buckle down and study but even then that wasn't like i mean
0: well and i think at this stage in our life you know we're in our 30s almost everybody's experienced some sort of loss yeah be that their parent some people some of my i i have friends who've lost a sibling We know somebody who's lost a spouse, you know, it's it could be any of those things or it could be a serious relationship that you were in. It doesn't
1: have to be death. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we've all seen somebody. I think one of the struggles for me at 18 was I didn't know anybody who had experienced loss at that point in their life even even from a relationship standpoint you know most people yeah you, at that point we're still with their high school sweetheart. yeah if like, they had been in a relationship they were still with them so <laughs> and not
1: to like degrade that or anything like because you know at the time losing a high school sweetheart is very hard but when you look back at later in your life when you've experienced some more significant loss you're like oh man i was just a, a weepy right. teenager sure yeah and like so you pour yourself into this and In in its own way, maybe the way we deal with our loss can become unhealthy. Even like you pour yourself so much into this thing that you know other areas of your life become ignored, or things fall apart that were previously taken care of. And like you have to, I think it's hard to find a balance there because maybe you or I have found a way of dealing with the loss in our lives, but we we take it too far, right? Like, so just to give the example is like okay you've poured yourself into studying and you know this career and you built something really great for yourself but it was also a personal cost right yeah like it wasn't free you went many years without a relationship a romantic relationship mm-hmm. and like and didn't
0: have the ideal family life that some people may it might be super important to them
1: mm-hmm. like you you set all that self aside to Pour yourself into this study, not just because of loss, but because maybe that's a bit of who you are. But I wonder sometimes, like how dedicated a student you might have been had you not experienced that.
0: Yeah, it's hard to say who uh, or how my life may be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be.
1: I mean, it's interesting to think about for sure. Like when I look back at my own life, like the things I have taken to taken up to deal with loss, and it's like. What? would I be different if I had more moderation in that or maybe I'm somebody who deals with the loss of relationships really hard. Like, you know, and I've had a few long-term relationships mm-hmm. in my life, like six years plus, And like, it's really, it's been a battle for me at the end of each one. Like I can definitely see the difference as like the loss of my first long-term relationship, my, you know, freshman year of college, sweetheart. And like, that took me two years to get over after a six year relationship to really be in a better place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I dealt with that in one way. And then, you know, I actually, I had another long term relationship. And that one was a little bit easier to deal with, because maybe I had more experience with loss. And I had A bigger idea of maturity and everything like that. And so I dealt with that one a bit easier. And that still took a year to, you know, kind of overcome. And then I had a short, kind of short-term relationship, but that was super intense for both of us. And like, that's still, that was like a, that was a big blow and everything like that. And that loss still, you know, I still deal with that loss even. Yeah. So it's just kind of, I don't really and you know I've lost people in my life to have died and everything Mm -hmm. like that and close friends and family members and stuff like that to me it's it's very interesting I guess to me that these loss of relationships and loss of friends friends who didn't die but people I Mm -hmm. could no longer Mm -hmm. be friends with and like those are so much more traumatic than, you know, the loss of a close friend who, you know, died in an accident or something like that. Like I feel mm. I, I feel that loss and I feel that death, but it's like not as traumatic to me than the loss of a close friend. Yeah. who is still alive. Right. So it's very, I don't know, it's like and I I don't think I deal I know I haven't dealt well well with it in the past Um, and I think I am getting a little bit better every time I kind of experience it but it's still like that's the hardest thing for me to deal with like death is hard and you know I don't want to think about like you know my mom dying or Mm -hmm. my brothers or something like that but like maybe it's just because I haven't experienced somebody that close to me
0: like a spouse or a like a
1: spouse yeah
0: a, um a direct family member
1: and it feels almost cheap to me to like compare my loss of a relationship to the you know death of a you know a mother or a father or a brother or something yeah like it's that. made me
0: mad before <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like that's that's the experience I have like I can't I haven't I've been fortunate in that I don't have that experience right right
0: yeah and all we can do is Anytime we're trying to uh, feel somebody else's pain or empathize with somebody, sometimes as far as our empathy can go is to what we've experienced. So, but I think there's a whole nother aspect to your grief in that that person is still living it. And in some ways, that may make that harder.
1: I agree. And like, it does make it harder in some sense that it's like, okay, this would, you know, you think after the loss of a really significant relationship, it's like, okay, this would go, this would be easier if they were just gone and I could not talk to them. I could not, you know, reach out to them. See
0: them, it's like see it, an Instagram post or run into them at the grocery store or something. Yeah. Yeah. And what
1: makes it so hard is like that you can do that and you just make it worse for yourself. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, if I, there's a re. One of the greatest, one of the worst things I think that could ever happen to humanity is the ability to talk to the dead.
0: Hmm.
1: How will you ever move on from these losses yeah. if you could, you know, talk to you know somebody important to you who died? Like, and it's the same sort of thing with a relationship. Is like if you continue to talk and contact and stuff like that, like you can't release and move on and mm-hmm. everything like that, and it'll just be like. You just become totally stagnant in this in this world where you could talk to your mom or you know talk to your dad who's passed or something like that even if it was just only like fleeing contact and this isn't a woo podcast by any means like i'm not suggesting it's possible or reasonable or anything like that but it's just kind of a a thought experiment of how take somebody you've lost like that who's passed away and how much longer would it take you to get over that if you could still communicate with Mm. them but no you'd never see them again yeah or you know you'd never have the same relationship or feel their touch or
0: yeah i mean that's not something i've ever really even thought about there's always that longing like i wish i could call my mom or tell her this thing that i did
1: yeah imagine if you could feed that longing like how heart-wrenching would that be talk to your mom after all this
0: time and mm-hmm. it just it'd reopen mm-hmm. everything right mm-hmm. like, yeah oh. that would be hard but I think I think it's something we all long to do at some point and yeah. that's does that like I think for me you know in college I talked to my mom every day on the phone until she died and so then that was such a hard thing for me to get used to was not calling her as I was walking to class like little things like that that like tincture of time definitely helped um or like finding a replacement not not that it was the same but somebody else i would call or nobody wanted to talk to me six times a day like my mom did though so um it was just different so
1: yeah and that's the thing. i think most people you know i at least feel the same way at the end of a relationship where it's like this is the person that i talk to every day right it's yeah like I can't do that anymore like this is gone like this piece of me like has just you know been hollowed out I think maybe a very similar kind of that's why I make that comparison maybe I think
0: part of the difference though is that you may find a replacement for that that may be equivalent to or even better Mm -hmm. whereas if you lose a brother or a mother or a dad you may find an equivalent to that or maybe something that's similar But it will never be the same or Mm -hmm. be your mom. Yeah. Whereas with the death or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a... And I'm not even saying like death, like the Mm -hmm. breakup, the end of a relationship. Like there is another relationship to come most likely that will be of equivalence to if not better than in certain ways Mm -hmm. but also different like i talk to people about this a lot too like a lot of people not myself but a lot of people have dated a bunch of people and been in a lot of long-term relationships and i think a lot of people will say like oh i wish i could like pick and choose and have like this attribute from this person and that from the other and like you're never going to find that right so you are giving up something like that person is never going to have something that somebody else might have had that you really enjoyed But as an overall relationship and an overall picture, it might be better.
1: Yeah, and I definitely, I agree with that. Like, and I can see how people who've dated more and stuff like that. Like, you find these little aspects of people that you you really like. And I like this aspect of this person. And this person made me feel like that. And I like this. And it's like, look at the end of the day and something, you know, that I am learning is it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not about like having this like it's more of striving for like the healthiest relationship and it's like i say like a lot but you're looking for or at least i'm i'm looking at this point in my life looking for a healthy strong wholesome sort of thing that's not you know wild and crazy and like this super thing i want this thing that's going to be really stable and strong and something i believe i can you know spend the rest of my life in
0: right but in relation to like losing someone that things don't get better like you don't like replace your mom no no and (laughs) so in that sense it's a little different
1: but that that comments on that the relationship is different Sure. Like I if I went out and I tried to replace, you know if I just tried to replicate my last relationship, one it would be telling me and everybody else, like that one, I haven't learned anything. I haven't grown as a person because your last relationship failed, right? So I shouldn't be out there trying to replicate that and achieve everything that that was I should be out there looking to improve upon it and find a relationship that's more stable and more strong and you know to to find something better for myself and not just find something but to improve myself so that I can attract and grow something better sure yeah and that's and that's just commenting kind of on the the difference you you don't I think it's universal almost like you're never going to replace somebody entirely like everybody's different right everybody's got their little different mannerisms right. and ticks and everything like that so it's like yeah the the pang of loss is always there to a degree like i don't but you don't want to put yourself in a position where it's like oh well you know i want to pick this and this and this and this right. and combine you them can't. all together into one impossible to meet person sure Right. You can't do that. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't want to how I guess you would not be able to acquire like these motherly relationships in your life. if You were just looking for an exact replacement for your mom. Right. Right. You accepted them for who they were and what they could what you guys could give each other. And you've developed, you know, these wonderful, strong relationships. They're not your mom, but they're very good people who have taken care of you and you know you enjoy yourself around and everything like that yeah
0: and it's interesting like both of us would have never had those relationships if this negative thing hadn't happened and i think in a lot of these relationships it's obviously both of us enjoy it like they enjoy being a motherly figure and i enjoy having them in my life in that capacity so
1: do you want to talk about who these people are at all is that (laughs) I mean, you could talk a little bit about like, um, you know, staying with, uh, yeah.
0: So one of the people who've been very much a motherly figure or a second mom to me is my best friend who I've mentioned before, Lindsay, her mother and father. Who I've known since I was three. Lindsay and I have been best friends since I was three and she was four and I've gone to family reunions with them even when my mother was still alive and my family was you know still whole essentially and I've just kind of always been the other Lindsay in the family but when my mom passed away it definitely went to another extent. I ended up living with them during medical school for other reasons but um my housing situation ended up falling through and they kind of you know asked if i wanted to live with them and i said yes and thought it would just be for a year and it ended up being for four years (laughs) (laughs) did
1: they know what they were signing up for
0: (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah i think sue is very much has that mother gene in her and Mm -hmm. wants to take care of people and so that was such a hard To kind of live with another family, even though I've known them since I was four, it was just different kind of dynamics than what I grew up with. So it wasn't like moving back home if you were to move back home with your own family, but it was still a wonderful situation in that, you know, Sue cooked for me and for my little mod, my group of people in med school. And I was very much spoiled during that, those four years and had a very much home to go back to
1: so sue was kind of able to step in and you know really play a big role in your life and i assume it wasn't just in medical school too because you guys were so close beforehand you know she was there for your undergraduate and Mm -hmm. stuff and and they were close right like they were right in the city you were going to school and she they
0: actually lived in between medical school and college like with the schools i went to there so they were kind of right snapdad in between those two so i had a little bit of a commute to med school but it was it worked out fine
1: and then like after med school you kind of mentioned that you're you know you talked about your mom had asked people to look after you and then you know kind of in the background at the time but like another person kind of stepped in right
0: yeah so judy who we hope to have on the podcast in the future who's a physician My mom actually worked for her. My mom was her um, IVF nurse. My mom, I guess, had asked her, which I just found this out like a year ago, to look after me, and Judy kind of slowly came into my life. She never really forced anything, even though my mom asked her to do that. She talked me through medical school applications and things like that when I was in college. We saw each other very briefly, and then in med school, she would listen to me when I talked about maybe what specialty I wanted to do or things like that. I probably saw her once a year and in med school. she come in
1: like you guys would get a lunch.
0: Or... Yeah. I'd see her once a year, probably maybe twice a year when I was in med school. She, I'd see her when I went back to Tulsa. And then um, when a somewhat big event happened, my internship year of residency, she kind of swept in and took me under her wing and, since then she's really been somewhat of a motherly figure to me you know that was what like eight years ago and so and then like just a year ago she did tell me that oh yeah your mom did ask me to look after you um but it it was an interesting like nice kind of like slow gradual never a forced thing like she wasn't like trying to reach out to me but I think she was always keeping me in the back of her mind
1: yeah she kind of let you develop and Mm -hmm. grow as a person and I think the important part was that she was there when you needed somebody there, right? Mm -hmm. She was there. We don't have to go into details, but, you know, you had gone home and you couldn't stay there.
0: Yeah. And so she happened to be in Tulsa. Sue at this time lived in Oklahoma City. So there was not an opportunity for Sue to be able to help me in this situation either. So it kind of was just a fate thing that I had just seen her. She picked you up
1: from the airport, right? Yeah,
0: she picked me up from the airport. We got lunch. And then um, some things happened, and I needed somewhere to go, and I called a few people, and no one answered, and so I thought, well, I guess I should call Judy back, and um, she answered and came back and picked me up, and I guess the rest is history, so to speak, as far as that, and now I talk to her, probably, it'd be weird if I went a week without speaking to her, so... It's kind of crazy how our relationships and our lives change.
1: Yeah. And she comes and visits, uh, visits us out here. And yep. Every time you go back home, you stay with her and see other people and everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a... I think that's a very fortunate relationship for you to have mm-hmm. had. And, like, to have somebody there, not just as, like, a motherly figure, but as a physician and a mentor. Who and, is
0: like, almost a whole family figure. Like, her husband is very much a fatherly figure to me as well. And um, I get along very well with her two boys, um, too, which I always laugh about. I'm like, do they think I'm weird? <laughs> <laughs> that you just popped up into yeah. their lives, basically. popped up into like their like family a, unit. As
1: like a 24 or <laughs> like a 28-year-old. Yes, or... <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean.
1: Oh, well, by the way, we adopted a 28-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> physician.
0: <laughs> so, but we all get along very well and... Um, I don't know, it's just interesting. I think I think another big point here too is just to be open to where life takes you and the bad things might lead to the good, not to be like put on rose-colored glasses for this whole thing cuz bad things suck and but that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad forever.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's the I guess the message of it is like there are so many ways to deal with adversity, right? And Like maybe the best thing you can do is one focus on the positive
0: mm-hmm.
1: of find something positive in your life you can focus and put your energy towards and you know if there was a message i would that would probably be Lindsay's message is put your energy towards something positive positive. and if i were to have a message it would be like to focus on you know self-improvement mm-hmm. and like to grow and to learn from the you know the traumatic experience whatever it is or the loss or whatever might be bothering you is like i try and take all those experiences and learn from them and be like okay it's here's what here is what i screwed up like mm-hmm. and you know if somebody dies you you might not have screwed anything up right <laughs> but there are also things like okay here's how i remember Okay, so I had a friend die a year ago. He died in a bicycle accident. Mm -hmm. And very suddenly, and like he was just such a nice guy. Like he was a good mentor. He was, you know, he took care of people. He gave extravagant gifts to, you know, like students and stuff like that. And he was just such a nice guy and such a sharing guy. And, you know, when he died i did not feel like i had been a very good friend to him mm. and i was fortunate in that like i got to see him a few weeks before he died and you know we were out kind of camping we were out on the drop zone and stuff like that and him and his partner rolled up and they um we saw him pulling in and everything like that and they were setting up their camp and i get a text from him and i'm um, and he's like hey can we come over and hang out i was like of course you can come hang out like get over here like was whiz- What a stupid question, right? Like, And I gave him a little bit of a ribbing for it, but I was like, yeah, get over here. And that made me, like... I would have felt so bad if I had not been, Mm. like, so... Because, you know, he was also... He was a lot to handle at times, too, sometimes. So you could get a little annoyed with him or something like that. But when I look back at, like, uh, you know, the life of Mark Henderson, I think, like, this is a guy who really... Just influenced a huge number of people in a positive way. And it's like, I should have. I felt bad because I felt like I should have been a better friend to him. But I had this kind of redeeming moment at the Mm -hmm. end. I I wasn't ever bad to him, but I could have been a lot better of a friend. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at that and I was like, you know, this. I'm going to really focus on being a good friend to the people who are important to me mm-hmm. and, you know, take this seriously. And I don't want to be in a position where, you know, one of my friends dies and I feel like I wasn't a very good friend to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I guess that was my lesson of self-improvement from yeah. that loss. Like, okay, wow. You know, I would have felt really terrible hag. You know I had not spoken to him in the preceding eight months before mm-hmm. he died but I got fortunate and that I got to see him a couple of weeks beforehand and we had a great time and we laughed and we joked and stuff like that but if he had died without that opportunity I would have felt really
0: bad yeah yeah
1: well I would say this is a very uh upper of a podcast <laughs>
0: woohoo <laughs> such a good note to end on David
1: well I mean I think it's I'm not afraid to talk about things that are, like, personal or sensitive in the sense that I think it's, one, interesting. And I really like to talk about real things with people. Like, I don't like superficial conversation. I don't know right. if you've noticed this, Lindsay. <laughs> I, I'm i not a chit-chatter. I like, I like, I'm not a superficial talker. I want to talk about serious things or in-depth, interesting things and two it's an opportunity to want to get to know a little bit more about us yeah but also these are the kind of conversations we want to be having with guests and people like that like maybe not such a downer but like real conversations and not just uh, you know yeah you know what was it like being a doctor
0: no instagram (laughs) photos here
1: yeah no instagram photos we want to you know and that doesn't mean we're going to get people on and right them over the coals, but we want to talk to people and let you guys, the listeners, see real life.
0: Yeah. The rocky road, the paths we take. On that note. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This <laughs> was... <laughs>
1: yeah. Subscribe. This was fun. Like... Yeah. I promise they won't all be downers. Yeah. There might be downer pits in each one, but... yeah that is life right it's not a a roller coaster it's a mountain range of fun
0: yeah all right thank you guys